This is Susie Riddler, also known as Susie the Foodie, and I want to welcome you to the first episode of For the Love of Food, my first podcast on my own. I can't believe it. So for those of you who don't know who Susie the Foodie is, I have been a food blogger for over 10 years. I am a writer. I am a photographer who fell in love with food. And this is my story. I thought that would be the best place to start. So I'm going to cast my mind back quite a long time and talk about how I started to fall in love with food. I moved to British Columbia many years ago. I moved for health reasons. One of the first things I did there is I went on a health odyssey. And then after a while, to be honest, I just kind of got tired of people. I got tired of everything. And I thought, you know, isn't that interesting that back then I actually self-imposed self-isolation on myself <laughs> and physical distancing. Considering what's happening in the world right now, I thought this was a good time to share the story because I share how I dealt with self-isolation. And when I say self-isolation, I mean it. I moved to a place called Westwood Plateau. It was a growing suburb at the time in Coquitlam. You had to go up 1,400 feet to get there, still do. And I don't drive. So this was a really big deal. It was a brand new suburb. And I, there weren't even buses that went all the way to the top, which is where we lived. We lived at the base of a, of a conservation area. And this was a huge risk for me as someone who is a non-driver for many different reasons. And that's a whole other story. This was a big leap of faith for me. I had to focus on where I was living and that meant as far as I could walk and on a mountain. That's not that far, especially when you have health issues like I do. But I really wanted the BC nature experience, so I did it. I said, I'm going to do it. I was done with the human race. I wanted to experience nature in a big way, and boy, did I ever. In the first year, everything was actually quite great. We got to all different places in the lower mainland and even went to the Sunshine Coast, and it was beautiful. I got to experience BC the way I wanted. I got to explore my neighborhood, which didn't matter if we were coming home from groceries. As soon as we went over that hill and I saw that view of all the mountains, I was just so in love with the beauty of living there. I was in a constant state of amazement. Growing up in Toronto, like it, it's, you know, a pretty flat city. It's a great city, but it's very flat and there are no mountains. Uh, you can't exactly watch the clouds get stuck on the mountains. Every time I left the house, every time we came home and I just saw that view, I was absolutely amazed. It was so beautiful. Basically what I did was I chose nature over people. I had you know, a real spiritual awakening there. I felt very connected to where I lived. I was very much in love with everything. But you know what? Things change. <laughs> Boy, did they ever change. Well, first, the winter, I mean, winter on a mountain. I, I, I mean, I moved to BC to get away from snow and I had to deal with snow. And it just gave me an excuse to get outside. It gave me an excuse to learn how to use my new digital camera, which back then shows you how long ago this was. That was a big thing. I had been going around Vancouver with my SLR manual that I got fixed before I moved there and used to do film. And then it was amazing to be in a place where I could just take as many photographs as I could possibly imagine. They're low res, but you know, it was high res for back then. And I'm so glad I did because I have this amazing scrapbook of my life there. All the amazing moments in nature that I had, which there were tons, it even felt like nature was saying hello back to me. I discovered hearts in the snow, hearts in the water, hearts in the earth. I mean, I was in love with where I lived. 
a kind of nature magic came into my life in a big way, something I dreamed of my entire life since I grew up in this small little nature area in Montreal. The big thing for me was going into Ridge Park on a regular basis all by myself. That was huge. It was hard just to even get into Ridge Park. It's a bit of a climb. And then once you get in there, the lighting that would come through the trees, I mean, it was just so beautiful. I took like hundreds and hundreds of photos because every time it took my breath away in the fall and in the winter, we get so dark. I actually couldn't even take photographs. So all of this, I know all this sounds great. And it was, I even was able to get a ride down to Port Moody so that I could take classes at the art center there. I learned how to draw. I learned how to paint. I learned how to play with clay, which ended up being a huge part of my life later on. I actually studied clay when I was a child. And so it was just absolutely amazing to get back to clay. I even had a barred owl fly over my head. He, it was I didn't get a great picture of that, but that's okay. I had a real moment. We sat together for quite a while. We had this deer sighting, which there was a very weird thing. I know on Vancouver Island, that's pretty normal, but to see a deer eating flowers in my neighborhood was quite bizarre. We would hear coyotes at night. I would actually see coyotes. I mean, this was the dream. (laughs) And then financial problems happened. And I won't go into those details, but let's just say things got very, very difficult and life became incredibly small. Even though I had all these wilds around me, I could only explore what I could walk to. We couldn't afford gasoline. We couldn't afford to go anywhere. One thing they don't tell you about living on a mountain is you constantly need to get new brake pads. So we actually couldn't go anywhere. But then something amazing happened. Even though I couldn't see anyone, I couldn't go out. We'd only go out for food. We'd get produce and at one place at a market, and then we would get all the canned goods at the superstore. You know what I'm talking about now, right? You've done this as well. You have stock ups. We would go stock up and everything, and then that was it. Couldn't go anywhere, couldn't see anyone, couldn't do anything. Just close everything, and then you'd live off the fresh food, and then you'd move on to the frozen fruit and what's in the fridge. And it was hard. It was hard. All of a sudden I realized I actually, it's one thing to choose to be someplace without people and to live that way. And then all of a sudden you can't go anywhere else and you're stuck at home in this tiny space, even with this beautiful nature all around you or not, depending on where you are. For me, it was incredibly hard. I realized I actually did need people. It wasn't easy and things were difficult and things were very challenging. And there are all these things we wanted to do. We lived in this beautiful place and we couldn't go anywhere. All the places I wanted to go and see, I couldn't do anymore. If I couldn't walk there with my camera, it didn't exist. I went through a lot of panic. I went through a lot of fear. And um, I have to give my sister Jamie credit because I would really have panic attacks about it. And she would remind me, she would say, I want you to say to yourself, right now, everything's okay. Everything is okay right now. And that got me through three years, almost three years of that. Three years, I mean, lots of other things happened in those three years. Like surgeries and health issues and lots of crises. But everything was okay. It was hard being alone. I was very grateful. We had amazing landlords and their daughter upstairs. So thank God for them. We would bake for each other and 
and take care of each other. And they help keep me sane, which is saying a lot considering the panic I was going through. Because all of a sudden, I'm like, I didn't know when this was going to end. I didn't know if this was going to be forever. And I can tell you it felt like forever. In fact, this is what my favorite psychic Sylvia Brown used to call a desert period, where literally you would just have to get through each day one at a time and just trust and believe. And she'd say, just survive the day, just get through the day. And that's what I did. One of my creative expressions that came out of all of this was jewelry making. I have loved jewelry since I was a kid. I was one of those things that I tried doing. I think it was in high school. I tried wire wrapping some sea glass and it was a total disaster because number one, I didn't have the right tools and I didn't have the right materials and I didn't have anyone to show me how to do it. And I just gave up. It took me a long time to get kind of good at it. <laughs> I'm still working on that. I think I finally made another breakthrough there. And, and I also learned how to incorporate clay, air hardening clay, into jewelry making. And when we fell on hard times, I started creating amulets for people, love amulets, fertility amulets. A lot of the times I would use what I found in my walks, like a robin's egg for a fertility amulet, fill it up with poppy seeds and flax seeds, capture it inside clay, and then sell it online. It was a huge, exciting time for me. It was something I always dreamed of doing. And then one day I decided to do these crazy vegetable and fruit prints. You know what? I'm going to stop reading articles about art and I'm going to start doing it. I'm an intellectual person. Sometimes getting me from my brain to actually doing something is not the easiest thing for me to do. I'm sure there are other people who can relate to that. So I did it. I got paints. I cut vegetables and fruit in half and I made prints. And you know what? The prints did not look very good. But you know what did? The fruit and the vegetables with the paint on them. It was totally fascinating to me. All of a sudden I had a new subject. I was like, wait a minute. I've taken photos of those trees in Ridge Park a million times. I've seen them in all the different seasons at least three times at this point. I'm like, I need something new to write about. I need something new to photograph. And there it was. All of a sudden when I would wash strawberries, I could see the light coming in from the window and it was beautiful. And the blueberries were gorgeous and mushrooms were cute. I loved everything. And my kitchen became a completely new and interesting place. It wasn't just a place for drudgery. It became a place to bake. It be, I learned how to bake. I actually would once a week when I would get down off the mountain to go to the library to pick up my books. Thank you, libraries. You kept me sane. I actually got a book. I, I bought it later on, The Pastry Chef. I think it's volume two. It talks about why pies work the way they do. I could not figure out a pie to save my life. It didn't make any sense to me. I would try and make a pie and it was a piece of lead. What? What's the magic? There's magic here. There's knowledge. There's secret knowledge here. And I want it. I want it all. And that is where my love of food really began. Until then, it was fun to go out and eat other people's food, but I never really liked my food. <laughs> it wasn't very good. I, I actually honestly thought food was something I would never understand. I figured there was just no possible way, but that isn't true. It isn't true. I spent, well, I've spent a long time, even more than 10 years since then, working on food. And the day finally came. Three and a half years. Three and a half years in this beautiful Mecca. And 
I wanted to leave after the first year. The first year was great. But no one tells you that you get to the mountain and it's awesome and it's wonderful and you have this life-altering experience. But then what if you can't leave? What if you're stuck? What if you are isolated and you don't want to be? That changed everything. And we basically did everything we could to make this change happen. And it did finally happen. We packed everything up. We left Westwood Plateau, came down off the mountain. And it was and it was short-lived because the ferry to Vancouver Island was canceled for that day because of a windstorm. We ended up in a hotel, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. It, it's, it was funny. I mean, in some ways, I look back at this time so through rose-colored glasses a bit. But I also remember how hard it was. It was incredibly difficult. It was not what I wanted in the end, and it was not what I expected, and I was desperate to leave. But I got through it each day, and I want you to know that through this time, wherever you are, whatever your circumstances, if you're feeling cramped and you're trying to take care of somebody else and doing your best, you can do this. Get through it one day at a time. This is a desert period for the whole planet, and it isn't easy. I've actually been self-isolated quite a few times. This was my first, and it was one of the hardest. It wasn't the hardest, but it was one of the hardest for me. We can get through this, bake cookies, do what you got to do, sit, think, figure out what it is that's calling me. What can I give time to that I normally can't? And for those of us who are struggling just to even breathe because getting food and all that sort of stuff is so difficult, um, it's so exhausting uh, for those of us with health challenges, mobility challenges, I am with you in that. I know it's hard. I feel like I've been slogging all my food up the mountain, the mountain that didn't have a bus when I first moved there. It did when I left. <laughs> I could actually get to the library on my own once a week after that, but we will get through this. The world adapts and we will too. We'll find our way. I want you to know I'm with you in spirit. I want you to know that I'm with you in your kitchen. If you have any questions, if you're struggling, if you're trying new things in your kitchen or spirituality, I do both and I make jewelry. So feel free to write me, contact me, susiethefoodie at gmail.com. And you can always find me on social media. Trust me, I am out there. I'm very active on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. What is it you need right now? What is it that's calling you? And it's okay if it's chocolate cake. Chocolate cake is a good thing. And that's a whole other story. I'm into chocolate cake. I'm into everything. I'm into saying yes to the world. I'm saying yes to food. And I say no to shame. And I say no to any stigmas regarding food, regarding life. Because you know what? We got to get through this. We're going to get through this. And I'm with you. I hope you've enjoyed For the Love of Food, episode one in my story. It's only the very beginning, the absolute very beginning of a very long story about my love of food. And I look forward to sharing more stories with you. I'm going to be interviewing people and sharing it here on my podcast and sharing other foodie stories. And I'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, let me know. Take care and have a great foodie day, foodies.